Good evening, everybody. We are back here with the Q&A. Yeah, after, I mean, last uh, Saturday, we were not live. We were at another place, but we had the recorded version, which we played on Sunday. And now, August 20th, we are here, session 132. We thank you for your questions around the world. Tough questions, but life is tough until he comes. Mm. Until he comes, mm. then only things will ease. Till then, it's a battle, mm. and every day is a preparation for the battle. So, before we look to the questions, we look to the Lord. Father, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you once again, Lord, for being with us through this day, for the strength you give us, O oh Lord. Truly, Lord, your grace is sufficient for us. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Sour, we commit this time into thy hands. Then as we answer the questions that have, that have come from different parts of the world, I pray you give us the wisdom and the discernment to answer them, Lord, that you bring comfort, strength, encouragement to many, Father. We bless everyone who sends and everyone who tunes and listens, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 <coughs> So we'll start. Yeah. Start with question number four. It's a two-part question, Pastor. Um, the question says in Exodus chapter thirty-four, verses six to seven. Thirty-four, yeah. The Old Testament God was a God of wrath, but God is a God of grace today. Do you think that God will ignore all the wrongdoing? Wrongdoing is what is included in the terms transgressions, iniquity, and sin. Man thinks of sin as doing something wrong, but God's standards. But by God's standard, sin is also not doing what we ought to do. We all frequently miss the mark. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5, mouthing a confession without repenting of the sin, just having the form ignores, uh, uh, just having the form ignores that while God is abundant in goodness, He is also abundant in truth. All the wrongdoing in the courtrooms, all around the world, will God ignore the judges, the prosecutors, the DOJ, their lies, their wrongdoings? Okay, go back to the first, you need to understand that God has never changed. God mm. is always the same. When you say the Old Testament, God is a God of wrath, and the New Testament is a God of grace, it would mean that God changed between these two dispensations. It is not. He was always the same. God is always a God of grace. Okay. Wrath is his unpleasant work. Okay, like a father has to discipline his child, but he doesn't like disciplining his child. Okay, but he knows by compulsion he has to discipline the child when the child goes uh, wayward or out of out of hand. Okay, so first the the there's a common in, uh, impression that uh, when you read the Old Testament that God is a God of wrath, He's not. He's a God of grace and He's a God of incredible patience. And you see that right from the beginning. Right from the beginning, you will see that is that He doesn't come and destroy Adam and Eve. He doesn't. The Garden of Eden, the first thing he does is there is an atonement, there is a sacrifice, there is a covering, then he sends them out. He has to send them out. And the reason he has to send them out is that sin has always consequences. It's the consequences of their sin. He has to send them out. And if you look at it, why he sends them out also, he's taking them so that they do not have access to the tree of life, lest they eat from it and live forever in their sin and never can be redeemed. 
then the problem is if man had eaten from the tree of life after having fallen, God would have to throw him into hell straight up that way and he would live like that forever and ever. There would have been no redemption. Mm. Okay. But in his, it's his kindness and his mercy he takes them out of the Garden of Eden. But again, you will see in chapter 4, it is one brother who kills the other brother. And if you look at it, he's still the God of grace. Okay? He doesn't come and kill, uh, execute Cain. Does he execute Cain? He waits 10 generations, okay, until iniquity has reached its fullness. While every thought, inclination has reached a peak. And what would we say is that mankind is beyond redemption. Okay, beyond redemption. The Bible says, Noah found grace in his sight. So he's still a God of grace. So the thing he's looking, see, though mercy is free and grace is free, somebody has to accept it. Okay, yes. somebody has to accept it. Everything is two-way. Okay, here, I will show mercy. I don't want your mercy. That's the entire Noah's generation. And the building of the ark is not a one-year, two-year project. It is stretched out to like almost 120 years right before their eyes, okay? I don't think mankind has spread around the world. They're probably around that area where Noah lives. And for 120 years, this preaching of the gospel is going on in the form of Noah, one preacher, and the building of the ark, get in. But nobody wants to get in. How do you call that a God of wrath? You got a God of mercy. I mean, like a father waiting, he waits and waits and waits because the father also happens to be the judge and being righteous and his righteousness finally will come to pass. He shuts the door. Okay. And after that is that everybody dies. Again, if you look at it, it's in his work of redemption. It's Abraham who finds grace in his sight. Okay. He's still working out his plan of salvation if you look it through it all. And the people are just going away from God. But even among the Gentiles, it doesn't matter who it is. If there was anybody who turned to God, God saved them. This could be a prostitute called Rahab in a city that is destined to be destructed. Like we saw in the morning, Joshua 6, 1, nobody could get in, nobody could get out. And Rahab's own testimony is that for 40 years we have lived in fear. We know your God is real. But the problem is not whether your God is real. We will not leave our gods. Mm, yes, mm. We will not leave our gods. That has been the major issue. So through it all, even the kings of Israel. It is they who turn away from God. They who walk away. But anybody, it doesn't matter how wicked they were. I mean, how can you call a God who would forgive and restore a king called Manasseh, a God of wrath? Okay, God of wrath. He's not a God of wrath. He's a God of grace. But the wrath of God will come upon everyone who finally rejects him. Okay. It is not God who rejected man. We need to understand that. It is man who rejects God. It's always man who rejects. God has not rejected man. But God, man is saying, you have to accept me. Okay. Man is primarily telling God, you keep changing. But God says, I cannot change. This is who I am. I cannot change. And it's, it's good because by his very nature, God cannot change because, uh, let me ask everybody listening and even sitting here, why does our hope come from? Where does our hope come from? You know, our hope comes from that one fact that God doesn't change. God doesn't change. If God were to change, 
then everything in creation starts changing. Then what is the stability in our life? We don't know whether this night will continue for six days or ten years. We don't know whether the sun will rise tomorrow. We have absolutely no certainty about anything in life. But there is certainty about most things in life. is because God does not change. Mm. God does not change. We need to realize we are able to live because creation has been set into a particular kind of an order. It's because the creator does not change. Okay. And the only one, if you look at it, is man because he was made in God's image and God has given him the free will. It is man who struggles. Okay. And man has to come back. So when all these things are happening, yes. Okay. When all these things are happening, Sin has its own, I mean, it will run its own course. Everything will run its own course. It's like it says, the righteousness of God will finally overtake a person. And it will come. And it is, actually, it is the mercy of God. It is the grace of God that allows man to run like this. And uh, we, I mean, for those who are saved, have come inside, it is not the same for those who are outside. Okay, it is not the same. When those who are saved are inside the kingdom, like uh, like with Israel, how God dealt with Israel and how He dealt with the other nations were not the same. He left the other nations alone. He didn't have to do anything with the other nations. You look at the history of the other nations; it's man just sin, just taking over, and men went further and further and further away from God. Went into all kinds of idolatry repulsive idolatry, all kind of perversions and black magic. You want to call it sorcery. They went down that road. The only one which was different was Israel. And the only reason Israel was because God had chosen them. And God did not choose them, as he said, because you are the greatest of nations, but because you are the weakest of nations. But the whole idea is his promises is coming to pass. It is through Israel it has to come. So even there God is showing his mercy. His mercy through Israel, he preserved a nation that did not deserve to be preserved. If you look at their history, they don't need de- deserve to be preserved. Because they were like, he, in Isaiah we saw, he says that, you're worse than Sodom and Gomorrah. Mm. You're worse than them. Because they did not know. He, even Jesus came and said, oh, woe to you, Khorasim, woe to you, Betshina. If the things which I have spoken and done were done to Sodom and Gomorrah, they would be still here today. Meaning Israel, who had the knowledge of God, actually was worse than the Gentile nations. Because we are not judged uh, in the same way. We are judged according to what we know. According to the light we have received. Israel had received light and they rejected that light. Yet if you look till today, Israel is preserved because of God's mercy. So God is a merciful God. God is a very kind, merciful, very patient God because that is his nature. Why? Because he knows what we are. We are just like vapor. We are just like dust. Here today, gone tomorrow. That's why uh, God uh, doesn't show his wrath or anger, though he's righteous and holy. He doesn't show. And then when we come to the second part of the question, no. Second uh, uh, Timothy, shall I have, shall we have that three? They have a form of godliness. But okay, okay, yeah, fine. A form of godliness, okay. Which is true, okay. Now, um, yeah, it's okay. Having a form of denying from such people, turn away. Okay, this is talking about the last day. There shall be perilous times in these last days, okay. But uh, the perilous time is a simple, uh, like, uh, what do you call it? Uh, atrophy has set in. 
atrophy has set in. Once sin came in, corruption has set in. Okay? Like, you, anything out there in creation, you take any fruit, vegetable, you keep it out, it's going to look fresh only for a season, for a certain period of time. Because corruption has set in. So when Adam sinned and creation fell, Satan sinned, heavenly corruption set in, here corruption set in, and that's why there has to be a new creation. The solution to man's fall and Satan's fall is a new creation. There is going to be a new heavens and a new earth. And God has set a timeline for that. Okay, so if you look at it, while God is abundant, in goodness, is also abundant in truth, which is true. It's truth, okay? The thing is that, like, if you if you were there this morning and if you listen to what God is talking about from Isaiah 2 or Isaiah 30, it's all talking about the day of judgment. There's a day set for righting all wrongs. There is a day set. And he's not going to write everything before that day. And we have answered this premise many times. The thing is that if... God were to right all the wrongs that is happening, then the day of judgment has come. It's a day of judgment. God cannot be picky. I will right this wrong and I will ignore that. No, there is a day set for everything. Okay, there is a day set. Until that day is set, time is given. Time is given. But to his people, what God has promised, his promise is this. I will never leave you nor forsake you. It's a promise given to his people. That when you go through this, when you go through the waters, when you go through the fire, when you go through this corrupt generation, if you look at it, God was with Noah. Right? God was with Noah. God was with Abraham. God was with Isaac. God was with Jacob. God was with Joseph. And Joseph was in that whole generation, the ones who suffered most. But when that man, young man as he was, when that man chose to walk with God, and he faced a hostile environment. The Bible says God was with him. It didn't matter where Joseph was thrown in. God was with him. Or whether it was Daniel or Daniel's three friends. There is this promise of I will be with, I'll be with you and I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's what God is promising. He's not promising to right all the wrongs now. Some he may, some he will not. We do not know. We do not know. Okay, like... Uh, Yesterday was Friday. Yeah, yesterday, Friday. If you turn me to Philippians chapter 2, verses 4 to 6. Okay, chapter 2, verses 4 to 6, like we saw in the morning. No, 3. No, one second. 5, 5 to 6. No, Philippians 4, chapter 4. Chapter 4. 4, 4 and 6. 4 to 6. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, come to verse 6. Such a gentleness. Be, okay. anxious Be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Yes, seven. Yeah. And the peace of God, That's which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus. If you look, if you look at those two verses, he's asked talking about prayer when you are in trouble. And Paul is in trouble. He's lying in prison. If you look at it, it's no answer to the prayer. There's no guarantee your prayer will be answered. Lord, I'm lying in prison. Will you please release me? He said, be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication, make and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. What will he give you? 
he will give you peace to go through that process. That's what is guaranteed. Now, honestly, if you look at it, whatever situation you are in, okay, you're looking for a solution. Let us say, uh, let us say you're looking in prison. Lord, deliver me. And when you deliver, when you're delivered, what do you get? Peace. Peace. He said, I can give you peace without delivering. I can give you peace without delivering. What do you want? Peace. I can give you peace. What do you want? Joy. I can, I can give you joy. joy. <laughs> I can give it to you. Without. So here is a man sitting in prison and singing. <laughs> okay. Now he's, therefore, this has so much more power, so much more power than somebody who has clout and who has money, who's got people who will go to court and get him out on bail, put it a hundred thousand dollar bond and get him out of bail than somebody which is true about most of humanity, who doesn't have money, who doesn't have clout, who doesn't have influence. So God's basically at the common denominator by saying that, you know what, he will get his peace when he's only released. I can give you peace without being released. And anyone can receive it. Anyone can receive it. That's basically what he's saying. And the past two, three days, um, the evening devotions, which was earlier morning, we have been giving it in the evening devotion. I mean, it's unbelievable unbelievable, especially three days back, that man in that garden. You know, it all the years, it's still shaken me. Okay. And these are simple people, Ali, Alice, Yuan, and all. How did these people survive? We heard about only Richard Wombrand. Okay, he was an unbelievable man of God. But we need to realize, there were so many like them all around the world. In only heaven, we'll, and we, we, we worry about our troubles and trials and we look at it and we put our head in shape. What have we gone through? We haven't gone through anything. And we probably will not go through anything compared to what these people have gone through. But they are singing, they are rejoicing. And they were not, uh, like useless people or anything. They were all extremely well to do. So one of them was a doctor. Yeah, but all of them went through this for his name's sake. But what do you see that is common about the testimony? He never left them. He never left them. And in their unbelievably terrible situations, he gave them peace and he gave them joy. Okay, so God has never changed. He's still the same of God, the God who was with Noah, the God who was with Joseph, the God who was with Daniel. He's the same God who is with the prisoners, his children who are in jail, who are hiding in caves, who are running because they are being persecuted. He's the same. What he's promising is this. Hmm. I will give you peace. peace. We lose our peace, honestly, when we, uh, we lose our peace, when we have a problem and we ourselves have a solution and then when God does not meet us by the solution that we want, that's when we lose our peace. Mm. We don't know what his solution is. We don't know what his solution is. But we always have to believe his way is the best because his will is Good, pleasing, perfect. and perfect. <coughs> now, for some people, part of it they may enjoy on this side. For many, it will be only on that side. But as long, like I said, the key is this: if you Second Corinthians chapter four and verse eighteen, that is the key. So we look okay. towards the things which yeah. visible. While we do not look at the things which are seen. See, this will only apply to those who do not look at things which are seen. If you look at the things that are seen, you'll be always depressed. If you are a child of God, true child of God, so there's nothing to be happy yeah. about in this world. What is there to be happy on now? 
No country. If you are a true child of God, there is nothing to be excited about over here. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. Okay? Even if you are a happy family, like a happy man, happy wife, two with two happy little children, you're not, you don't want to look at what is seen. Because you don't even know where your children are going, which world they are growing up in. You simply don't want to look at things that are seen. You want to look at things that are unseen and get their children into that kingdom. Every struggle of yours is basically trying to see they believe, they know God and walk with him. Because if you're looking at things seen, there is no guarantee because within days everything can change in any country. And your future can be just taken away. Just, just like that, be taken away. There is no guarantee about things. That's why the Bible says the simple idea is we do not. That's a single. While we do not. But the thing is that if you look at the things which are seen, then you will be depressed. You will be oppressed. You will be looking at the things. And all you see is injustice, violence, and people getting away with the evil that do. And there is nobody. Look all around the world. The wicked seems to be getting away with whatever they do. This seems to be. And you will be disheartened. But he says, don't look at that. That's what has been happening for 6,000 years of human history. He said, right when I sent them out of the garden, what happened is one brother killed the other brother. And he was even not even feeling guilty about it. He was more upset by the punishment I gave him than about killing his own brother. Right? My punishment is too much for me to, my iniquity is too much for me to bear. It's his cry. Where is your brother? I'm not my brother's keeper. And it's been going on like that. No, they're not bothered. They're not bothered. But he says, for the things which are seen are temporary. That is the whole thing. Do we believe the things that we see are temporary? Do we really believe that the things that we see are temporary, but the things which are not seen are Eternal. Okay, things that are seen are eternal. And we look back, I mean, like all of you are young, I'm the older one over here, like we saw from the book of Ecclesiastic, youth and childhood is a vanity, vanity, okay? But it was not true when we were young. (laughs) We thought that was life. Now we look back, what a waste of time. What was real about all those things? Nothing. Absolutely. Like uh, two years before COVID, three years back, no? I had gone for a wedding in Tivandro. My classmate's son was getting married. I had gone for the wedding. I had gone a day earlier. And I was staying at one end of Tivandro. And I decided I will walk in the evening. See the city where I grew up in, where I studied. And I walked to the city. Everything had changed. There was nothing that was the same. Everything had changed. I looked at it. Wow. How many years I walked on the streets and all these places. I don't know any of these places. Everything has changed. The whole world had changed. Everything has changed. Okay, It could be true for somebody who was here 20 years, 30 years ago in Hyderabad. They come. I mean, you go to, I go to high-tech city. I don't know what city is. <laughs> because I go there once in a, once in, I mean, I, I go to, if I go where to go to Charminar, the last time I went to Charminar was in 1994. And I live in Hyderabad. Okay. The thing is, <laughs> okay, so the thing is that everything has changed, but you spend so much time and energy and, but is it so vanity? And that itself should be tell, telling you that the world is passing away. Mm. The world is passing away. 
and a generation rises who doesn't even care or understand the previous generation. And that's what we call the generation gap. Okay, generation gap. I mean, if you were to sit beside our little children and listen to them talk, we realize we don't understand them, what they are talking. They live in a different world altogether. Our children are more protected. But if you were to listen to the children of the world, like one day Pastor Vijay was taking the kids on the... In field his trip, field trip. trip, you know, and they were talking in the back. The kind of stuff they were talking about, their conversation is so different. What were they talking about that day? PUBG and... Uh, PUBG and all kind of things. Little boys sitting and talking about... I still do not know what PUBG is. <laughs> I know PUBG and I, I know the G who goes there. But I don't know what PUBG is. Okay, but what I'm saying is, it is just passing away. It is not just passing away. And we have the young ones like Daniel and Joseph and all who realize this very, very early are very wise ones. Who realize they have lived. See, the best teacher is somebody else's experience. Amen. Yes. Yes. The best teacher is not. Second best teacher is your own experience. (laughs) Okay. Second best teacher is your own experience. Yeah, you don't learn. But the best teacher is somebody else's experience, so you don't have to go that route. So people like Joseph, Daniel were very, very wise when they were young. They looked at it, they looked at the temporal, they looked at the eternal, and they made eternal choices. They made eternal choices. Okay. When you make an eternal choice, a choice that is correct according to eternity, things that are not seen, which is according to God, the unchangeable, unshakable thing. There was this question asked, everything that can be shaken will be shaken because we are receiving a kingdom that that cannot be shaken. So the question is, what are the unshakable things? Okay. So if you look at Joseph and Daniel, they focused on the unshakable things. Therefore, if especially Daniel or Joseph, you look at it, okay, if you look at their lives, the whole world around them is changing, yes. especially Daniel. Kings are coming, kings are coming, things are all changing. But they remain stable in the midst of all this change. You know why? Because they kept their yeah, eyes on eternity. Unchanging, yes. unchanging things. Therefore, even his meditation and study and dreams and visions were connected with eternity. eternity yes. And not with. And God is speaking to him from into the future. But everybody's prayer life is connected with the temporary. That's why God doesn't speak to most people. Why doesn't God speak to most people? Because all the prayers are connected with the temporary. So God doesn't. He says, you are not interested in eternity where I dwell. I dwell in eternity. And I'm inviting you to come and dwell with me in eternity. I who inhabit eternity, he says, dwells with a man who is meek with a contrite. Who is a man meek and contrite heart? He's interested in the things of God. So all these people, if you look at it, therefore, you go back to that question. Yes, there is so much happening. But now, there is, a, there is a, uh, he's also abundant in truth. All the wrongdoing in the courtrooms all around the world. Will God ignore the judges, the prosecutors, the DOJ? But the thing was that the prosecutor, the judges, the Department of Justice, these things are nothing new. This has been happening for centuries, <coughs> Right? It's been happening for years and years and years, right from the beginning. Justice has been forward. Let us look at the, go back to Genesis chapter, uh, the book of Genesis. Joseph is thrown into prison and he's in prison. We don't know how many years, okay? The Pharaoh did not have a dream. 
He would have died in prison. Yeah, died yeah. in prison. And he's been thrown into prison without a trial. Without any justice, any law. No presumption of innocence until proved guilty. So this is nothing new. There's no de- there's no justice there. Okay? This concept about justice, this concept about justice, law and justice primarily came one through the Mosaic law and then when Christ came in. When we are all talking about justice today and law and order, okay? Every government can say whatever they want, but it is when Christ came in that justice came in. World systems and Christianity came in, law and order started being affected. But be, let us say before the British came in, okay, let's before the British came in, we were around 600 princelings, small states, kings ruling. <coughs> what justice was there? What justice was there? There was no justice. There was no justice for the common man. The king is sitting somewhere far away. He does not even know what is happening in the villages. The village, there is a, ch- a, tri- a chieftain, <laughs> and he rules. <coughs> he rules. People had no, no this thing about justice at all. No this thing about justice. He could do whatever he wants, and he had armed men to see his form of justice is enforced. People had no justice anywhere. It is Christianity that actually start bringing a system of law and order and justice. Now, technically, if you look at it, we are moving into an era of post-Christianity. Yes. And we see the breaking down of law and order, order again. Laws are being changed. There is no justice. So we are going backwards. We are not going forward. Technology, we may be moving forward. But civilization-wise, we are going backward. We are really, really going backwards. And what is going to happen? This will continue. Some people will win. Some people will lose. Some places, even Samaria had season of peace only for a certain time. And after that, the peace went. So we are living in that world. But the smart ones are the ones who will look into eternity and make their choices. Make their choices. Simple thing is that God says, where the spirit is Lord, there is Liberty. That is a simple thing. Okay. And I said, our major issue is with the Spirit of God. When the Spirit of Truth comes, He will lead us into all truth. And what is that truth we are talking about? Truth is about ourselves. Why is Paul, Apostle Paul, lying in a Roman prison? <coughs> In chains, why does he have so much liberty? Unlike the people who are outside, why is he so much freedom? You know why? Because he has allowed the Holy Spirit to deal with truth in his life. He's absolutely free. He has no issues in his life which has not been addressed with and by and for God. He's absolutely clear with God and clear with man. Therefore, he is free. He is free. Because sometimes we think freedom is connected with this body. No, it's not. It's not. Freedom is connected with your soul. It's connected with your soul. Okay? You could be an extremely rich and powerful man living with all the amenities and actually be tormented day and night. It's a picture that is given about Daniel and the king. The king is not able to sleep. He couldn't want, he couldn't eat, he couldn't uh, have music because he knows he's guilty. He knows he, without thinking, made an edit, 
put his seal on it. It cannot be taken back. And because he's got a good conscience, he sent an innocent man to die among into the lion's den. He is absolutely tormented. He's not able to sleep. But the man who's gone down has peace with God and peace with man, and he's happy. So the question is, who is free? Oh, who is free? Is the king free or Daniel free? Daniel is free. That is real freedom. We See, we haven't really experienced... Everybody thinks they are free. They are not free. You do not know what freedom is until you have the liberty in your spirit. You do not know what freedom is. Because when you are young and when you have all this strength and emotions and all, you connect freedom with things. But only when you start growing older, you will realize. Because if things were free, that is what brought you freedom. Then when you are much, much older, that same thing should give you freedom. But it doesn't give you freedom. Mm. Even when you are young, yes. does it give you freedom? No. The thing which you got yesterday and you were so excited, one week later, does that bring you joy? Why doesn't it bring you joy? Because liberty is not connected with things. It's not connected with it. This simple principle even young people can understand. You look at the smallest one who came to us today was Rihan. He's just a two-year-old. He's two years old? Yeah. yeah. He's just a two-year-old little one, right? Ask him, does he play with the toys which he played when he was one-year-old? No. He doesn't play. He's not interested in it at all. Why? Because those are not real. Mm. Those are real. We are living in this entire world as a figment of our imagination. This is not real. Because if this were real, the same things that gave us so much joy when we were one year old should be giving us joy now. It does not give us joy. Yesterday's things don't give us joy. It doesn't give us joy. But there is something that will give you joy. Whatever that will give you joy through it all, it is eternal. It is eternal. That's why the Bible says in his presence, there is fullness, there is fullness of joy. Okay. That does not change. So God says, if you really want to experience reality, it is an eternity. Who come to God? That is real. Heaven and earth will pass away. World and its desires pass away. You hook on to eternity. He says, you will realize it is real. And you will realize whether you are a young man who loves the Lord at 50, you are the same man who is loving the Lord at 50 or loving the same God at 80, your joy is still the same. It only increases. It doesn't change. It increases. It gets better in quality because you have hooked on to something that is eternal. You look, I will tell you honestly, I grew up with music. I grew up with music. But the problem is not not uh, Christian music. I did not even know what Christian music was. I grew up with movie songs, Hindi movie songs. Okay, but the problem with Hindi movie songs was the songs kept on changing. Yeah, yeah, it kept on changing. So you have to keep on changing with the songs. Okay. Then I got saved. When I got saved, the first song I learned was "Oh, what a wonderful, wonderful day." This was in the year 1983. Okay, now let me tell you. The joy of that song has not changed in 2022. Mm. Hasn't changed. Okay, hasn't changed in 2022. Why? Because it's not the song. Those songs are connected with eternity. Yes. There's something about the lyrics Mm. about that song Mm. which is eternal. Okay. Now, of course, the old songs are there. Now, old Hindi songs, suddenly you go in a cab or somewhere you listen, you feel nostalgic. But last for five minutes. Because you know it's not real. It's not real. 
It's not real. But these things, so if you look at it, wherever you are hooked on to eternity, there is stability. There is stability. Mm. Wherever in your life, honestly, wherever in your life, if you look at your life as your soul, as your life, soul is your life, okay? What God is doing is saving our soul. If you look at soul as a map, wherever in the parts of the soul, truth has become part of it, you are free. There is no issues there. Wherever there is no truth, or you are fighting truth, you are not free. And Paul is absolutely free. More than anybody in the Old Testament is absolutely free. It's because he's found truth. And he's fixed his mind, his soul on truth. And he's free. And like one of the most powerful letters, a personal letter of a man going through trials and testing is the letter of Philippians. You read that and you will understand. This man has found some. If you don't know the background, if you don't re- read carefully, except for these chains, except for these chains, except for then you realize, okay, he's lying in prison and writing this letter. And then you hear the, the daily readings you get every evening. You let them realize, you know, this is not an isolated experience. This has been the experience of saints right from the beginning. God never changed. And they clung to that God and the life became stable. So don't look at all these things. All the wrongdoing that has been taking place in the courtrooms, like I said, in the case of Joseph, there was no court. It's a perversion of justice. There is no trial. And he's thrown into a dungeon, actually thrown into a dungeon, lying in fetters. And he's absolutely innocent. Not only he's innocent. Okay, there's something which is called innocent. He's not just innocent. He's righteous. Mm. There is innocent and there is righteousness. Let us say there is um, there is um, Roshan and Richie. Okay, over here. There is a crime taking place and Roshan wasn't there at all. The police catch him, he goes to court and they find that he was not. So he's innocent. Richie was there and he actually did everything to stop and prevent the crime. So he's not only innocent, he's righteous. Mm. Okay? Roshan is innocent. Richie is righteous. Joseph was righteous. He tried to prevent everything that was happening over there. And he really appealed, saying, this is what is right, this is what is wrong, you shouldn't be doing this. He was not innocent. He was more than that. He was righteous. And such a man was thrown into prison. Why? These are all people, like I said in the morning, these are all people who represent Christ. On the cross is the most innocent man ever. He was tempted at all points and he never sinned. He never sinned. Hmm. From the cross, his words is, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Okay? So you see this picture. Joseph is a very forgiving person. He never pulls a potiphar. He never has a trial for Mrs. Potiphar. He never throws his brothers into prison. It is the Spirit of Christ operating through it all, all these people. And therefore, you know what? They were not tormented. If he had been sitting in prison thinking about revenge, he would have been a tormented man. And when he came out, if he had taken revenge, he would have been a miserable man. He's not thinking at all, any of those things. He's not thinking about it. So that's how we have to look at All these things are happening. Yes, but at a... At a personal thing, yes, not mouthing a confession. 
Okay, so it is, it is an individual thing. We can preach liberty, but each one can experience liberty only individually. Mm. Each one has to make that choice. Like going before God, because only God can give liberty. Nobody can give liberty. Government can create a conducive, a peaceful atmosphere where you can live, work, and make your life. But they cannot give peace in your heart. Mm. Only God can give it to you. Yes. God can give it. Okay. Let me ask this question. Why is that the Western nations, the Western nations in modern history, which were the most prosperous nations in modern history, why have they fallen apart literally in morality and everything. Why have their nations, the young people, just fallen apart? Because God can only, government can only give you an atmosphere where you can prosper. They cannot legislate morality. Mm. Laws cannot legislate righteousness. That only outwardly, inwardly, you cannot do it. Only God can do that. Only God can do that. Okay. Like tomorrow is Sunday. I can tell people everybody needs to be in church by nine o'clock. Everybody needs to worship. But can I make them worship? No. Because worship is with God. Mm. They may come at 9 o'clock. They may lift up their hands. But nobody may worship. Because each one ultimately worships alone with God. Because to worship God, you have to worship in spirit and in truth. And if truth is missing, the spirit is missing. Then there is just singing. And some people may not even sing because they don't like the song, but they don't feel like singing those songs because the songs are true, but I am a lie. I don't want to sing that songs. I don't want to lift my hands because I don't feel like lifting my hands. So worship doesn't take place. And it's got nothing to do with the worship team. It's got nothing to do with the worship leader. It's got nothing to do with the songs. It's got to do with you. It's got to do with you. So though we sing as a congregation, we only worship individually. We only worship Individually, we cannot worship as a congregation. We worship, and even as a congregation, when we worship, each one's worship is different. It is different according to the truth each one has experienced. Because worship that is living before God is intimately connected with the spirit and with truth. That is ultimately what life is. God is seeking, Bible says, for worshippers. Okay, so each one is encountering truth. Because our lives are different and the struggles are different. They are not the same. That's the long answer to the first question, Pastor Vijay. Pastor, there's another follow-up question on this. this is I think this one. question was from Middle East. Yeah. From one, question number one. Mm. Uh, we are talking about Philippians chapter 4 where Paul is talking about, just, we just quoted that, uh, yeah. be anxious for nothing, etc. And also Isaiah chapter 26 mm. verse 3 which says, He will keep him perfect, peace, peace of mind, and stay on him. On him. Mm. In all things, God is our refuge. Our strength. He knows the end from the beginning. We have the power to fight the enemy. We know better. Do you believe it is hidden anger that shows up and we react in violence and revenge and frustration? Mm. I get frustrated. I get so upset with myself and I react like a Pharisee. Please pray for all of us as a church that we will keep fighting the enemy. Do you think it is hidden anger, frustration that shows up? And we react in violence and revenge and frustration. See that the whole thing is... uh Again, the whole thing is that depending upon who you are, what is your place in society? Okay. We, we have to be very, 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 very balanced in this. Okay. People don't understand. We have to be very balanced in this. Uh, 
child throwing tantrum and a father disciplining are not the same. Okay. When the father disciplining, the child may think, why are you angry? Aren't you losing your anger? But he's given, given a position, an office to enforce a set of laws. If he doesn't do that, he will be accountable before God. The child is thinking that if I get my way, that is liberty. Okay? So you have to see there are people who have been put in positions by God. And when they see injustice taking place, okay, taking place, they have to take action. If they do not take action, then it is a perversion of justice. Mm. Okay, perversion of justice. And that's where we need to realize. But when you are doing it, if you look at when Jesus went into the temple, okay, Jesus went into the temple. Technically, he's just going as an itinerant preacher. He's just a rabbi. People don't know who he is. That's why they question, under whose authority are you doing all these things? He goes into the temple and he sees his father's house has become a business place. He makes a rope. He drives it all out. No. Now, if he doesn't do that, if he doesn't do that, there is something wrong. Because unlike others, he knows his father. He knows what his father's house should be. He knows what the temple should be. Okay. Now, if he goes in silently and comes out silently, the problem is not with what is happening over there. The problem is with his reaction. Okay. Problem is with his reaction. He has not reacted rightly. Okay. Now, he doesn't do it every time. He does it the first time and the last time. He does it. So, he's telling us something. He's teaching. So, that's what the Bible says. Okay. Yes. We have to do all this. So ultimately, if you look at it, you get mad with the injustice in the society, right? There is an injustice in this society at every level. One, poverty is a curse. We have enough in this world to see everybody can live happily. Happily in the sense, content. Head, roof above your head, enough to eat, enough to wear. There's enough in this world. It doesn't matter if the world population is reached 8 billion. We have enough. So we see the injustice at every, every level. We see injustice at every level. But the simple question is, how do you fight injustice? What do you think is the way to fight injustice? If I were to take all the money I have and give it to everybody, I still cannot change injustice. Mm. It's not going to even make a dent in that ocean. Okay, But there is one way I can. The Bible says, the gospel of this kingdom shall be preached to all nations and the end shall come. When the end comes, what begins? Justice. Justice begins. Mm. So everybody has an opportunity to be part of stopping this injustice. It is by allowing the kingdom to come. And that's what Jesus said. This is what you need to pray. Thy kingdom come. Because when the kingdom comes, injustice ends and justice begins. And it won't be socialism. It won't be social. At one level, everyone will have his house and his wine. But industry will be rewarded. Mm. 
it will be rewarded. Those who are hardworking, those who are ethical, all that will be rewarded. The kingdom of God is not a socialistic enterprise. Please don't ever think that. It doesn't work like that. Then there is the book of Revelation did not have to be he who overcomes, he who over. Why does all this have to be promised? Because there is an incentive. Incentive is those who do these things. And there's a lot of effort in doing these things. You will receive your rewards and the rewards will be eternal. So even in Christ's millennial kingdom industry, Integrity, hard work, righteousness, faith, all these things are going to be rewarded. But a climate of justice is first provided. There will be absolute justice. There will be no sin. Absolute peace. Absolute righteousness. Absolute holiness. That atmosphere will. So that's what everybody, every religion has this concept of Ram Rajya, as Hindus will say. Because they have, they, in their stories, they talk about Ram coming back and Ram ruling. But the simple question is, is Ram's rule, did it change? No, it actually didn't change much. Um, why should Ram's rule be better than Bharat's rules? If you know your Hindu mythology, why should Ram's rule be myth? Because when I look at it, Bharat seems to be an unbelievably righteous man. Mm. His mother, played the, this thing with the king and got the throne for her son and the other, the eldest son has to go for one of us for 14 years. <laughs> but when the son hears it, he says, I will not take the throne that belongs to my brother. But the brother will go. He says, you know what? Leave your sandals behind. He puts his brother's sandals on the throne and he says, I will roll on your behalf. I am not worthy to sit in that throne. That's yours. So he couldn't have a man like that cannot be a bad ruler. So Ram Rajya is not going to be better than Bharat Rajya. I have never heard anybody talking about Bharat because the problem is even to read scriptures, Hindu scriptures and other scriptures to understand righteousness, you need to understand the righteousness of God first to appreciate righteousness. Mm. Appreciate righteousness. You need to understand understand righteousness. You need to understand God's <coughs> righteousness. Okay. And for me in Ramayana, one of the most righteous persons is not Ram, it's Bharat extremely righteous man. But you hardly hear about him. You never hear about him. But he's an extremely righteous man. Okay, extremely righteous man. Okay, so we need to look at these concepts. So every religion has this concept. But the thing is that what they are talking about and what is the reality that's coming, they cannot know the reality unless we know the righteousness of the living God. And that is what is coming. The question is, if we are happy only with this world, how are we going to be happy in that world? Because that world will be completely different from this world. Mm. Completely different from this world. Okay, Many Christians will feel like fish out of water in the kingdom of God. Okay, They are not going to be happy. Because if your normal lifestyle is, thank God it is Friday, yeah, you know, that's the usual concern. Slogan. Mm. Yes, slogan. Thank God it is Friday. And you're a weekend basher. And then Sunday morning you wake up late and go to church. You are, a, you think you're born again. I don't know where you're born again and where you're born again. But your whole thing is with this world. When the kingdom comes, what happens to you in the kingdom? How are you going to be happy in that kingdom? How are you going to fit in that kingdom? So don't think everybody is saved. Many will come through the fires. All their works will be burnt. And those who have entered into the kingdom with everything burnt, mm. entered into that kingdom, 
Of course, for him, he will live like a socialist there. He will have a roof above his head and a wine tree or a fig tree to sit under. But he's not going to be very happy. Because what he got is not what he was longing for. Longing for. But those who have loved the Lord, the Bible says, eyes haven't seen, no ears heard what God is preparing for those who love him. And all things for these people, those who love him, when they are in heaven, because on earth, when the highest is on eternity, they are going through all kind of troubles because they find it very difficult to get along with the world. But it says, all things will work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. These two are connected. But there are a lot of people who are saved who don't love the Lord. Let's be honest about it. They are saved, but they don't love the Lord. They don't love the Lord. They don't love them. It's like a family. You may have ten children. Jacob has twelve children. Okay? Or you may have five children, six children, seven children. The father or the mother may love all the children. But all the children may not love the father. They love the father. May not. Okay? So the children, when they come home, the reaction is not the same. The father or the mother may be so excited to see the children. The child is okay, I'm going on vacation. And they're just waiting for the vacation to finish to go. And the problem is with the father or with the child. The problem is with the child. God loves everybody. But everybody saved does not love God. And they do not love God the same way. They do not love God the same way. So all these promises, which are yes and amen in Christ Jesus, effectively works in those people now and in the kingdom to come are for those who really love God. And the love of God changes everything. So Jesus, even when he's t- talking to his disciples, he says, if you love me, okay. you keep my commandments. He says, you love. why is he saying, if you love me, keep my commandments? He's saying that if you love me, you will keep my commandments and you will find uh, my commandments Lord are not burdensome. Yeah. Which is true. Hmm. It's honestly true. Sometimes we find service very difficult. It's because we don't love, love us. God. Like people don't like going to their office because nobody loves their office. <laughs> and God knows that. That is why God says, whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord. Do it as unto the Lord. That's what I said. These are practical things. God has to be real. When you go to your workplace, you have to go with God. And you have to work there for God. You have to ask God, Lord, I'm going for you. You are with me. You are my employer. I want to be a witness. Help me to be a witness. Consistently. And you may feel this day I could not witness. No, you were a witness. You are consistently a witness of Christ by working for him for 10 days, 15 days. After that, somebody will ask you, what makes you different? Hallelujah. You didn't realize from the day when you thought nothing happened, you were still a witness. Man. (coughs) You are still a witness. People are miserable because they're working for others mm. or working for self. God says, you will never be happy. You work for me, you will be always be happy. So it did not matter whether Joseph was in part as a slave or as a prisoner. The Bible says God was with him. Mm. Why was God with him? Because he was working for God. Mm. God was his employer. This is the reality. If you go back to Philippians chapter 4, okay, read from that verse. 4, four to onwards. 4 to yeah. 7. 
that verse that is given over there, go to verse, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. Why? Look at that. The Lord Why? Is. The Lord is at hand. Kya hmm. Hmm. Let your gentleness be. The Lord is at hand. Hmm. That's what he's talking about. Okay. Now, we may not feel gentle because we don't see the Lord is at hand. Lord is at hand. But he sees the Lord is at hand. Therefore, he says, let your gentleness be evident. Okay, I mean, I'll give you examples which you will understand. Okay. If you have two children or three children, if you go, when, if you stand outside the door, you will always see the elder bullying the younger one. Mm. Yet, you call them and say, come sit here and play. The elder doesn't bully the younger one because the father is at hand. Suddenly the tone changes and he will say, Hi Andrew, why don't you play like this? And he will realize what changed? Father's presence. Father's presence. And he's saying, God is always present. Let your gentleness be known. You don't have to be angry. You don't have to be mad. You don't have to be an activist. God will work all things out. You don't need to get irritated. Yes, sometimes you get angry, you get upset because you have to have that attitude. You can't be complacent about certain things because the Bible says he loved righteousness and hated wickedness, lawlessness. lawlessness. You have to eat lawlessness. You cannot because, but where do you take your passions out first? That is the key. A lot of people who are irritated, angry, upset, miserable is that they don't take it out in their prayer closet. That is your first court of appeal. Because people do not meet God first and pour out everything in the prayer closet, therefore they are not able to walk that day through peace. And Jesus was able to, able to handle the pressures of every day because he, even when he is going into being arrested, whipped, crucified, he first pours his soul out in the Garden of Gethsemane. When he rises up from there, he's ready. And what is going to happen from that midnight arrest till his death is absolute unlawful injustice. And he doesn't react at all because he's met his father. And it's good. If people were to do that every day, you will realize you can handle pressure. And your gentleness will be known. Gentleness will be known. Gentleness will be known. But you have to take action. If you are in a position of authority, you cannot wink. When God has put you, you need to realize when good, when God put Joseph in a position of authority, he did not call for two regiments of Pharaoh's army to follow me to Canaan because I need to teach my brothers a lesson. He didn't do any of those things. But when his brothers came before him, looked at them, he had compassion. But he says, I have compassion for them. But justice also has to come. If I am truly true what I am, if I let them get away with this, I am going to sow into their eternal destruction. The whole purpose, the whole purpose of law, of justice, is redemption, not punishment. The entire department of justice purpose is to redeem two situations, the victim and the criminal, to redeem them. Both. What injustice you have done, it has to, recompense has to be there. And while you are incarcerated, the whole idea is you will be redeemed and you can come back to society and become a reformed person. That is the purpose of justice, mm. not revenge. Vengeance belongs to God alone. No man, no justice, no king has the right to take vengeance. Vengeance belongs to God. 
only belongs to God. So the purpose of justice is primarily redemption on both sides, where some people cannot be redeemed. They refuse to be redeemed. That's the purpose. So Joseph is sitting in a seat of authority, and he sees his brothers. And what happens post after that is redemptive justice. And he's, he's working it all while he's being compassionate, yet outwardly he's very, very hard. But yet he's being compassionate. So let me ask you this question. When, uh, when uh, the judge, you are caught in a crime, when the judge sentence you to, according to the law, three years in prison, is he being unjust? No, he's not being unjust. He's actually being kind to you. He's putting you there so that you don't harm yourself and others anymore. You have a chance there to get right. And when you get right, you can come out and go back to society. That is basically what is happening. Basically what's happening. So a lot of people in prison, a lot of people in prison, if you read uh, uh, Nehru's interview, people who oh. 75 years of independence and they have taken him out of posters and all the first prime minister. He was 14 years in prison for our freedom movement. And 75 years he was not even talked about. And in that interview he says, it is good sometimes to go to prison. <laughs> okay. Okay, sometimes go to prison. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So you need to realize, okay, you need to realize that uh, no prison experiences changes people. It changes people. They understand law, they understand justice, they understand the consequences. So finally, when he is incognito, they cannot understand who it is. He does, they think he's Egyptian, he's Hebrew, he understands their conversation, and he's listening to them. And when he realizes Conviction has taken place. Repentance is taking place. They're talking to each other. You know what? This is coming. It has all got to do with the brother whom we sold and killed. Which I told you then not to do it. Now they're talking. And he goes inside and he cries. Yes, yeah. And he cries. He realized conviction. Justice has come through. People are getting redeemed. And finally, when he couldn't take over, he get, tells all the Egyptians to get out of the room. And then he starts crying and reveals that he is Joseph. And they are scared. This is how justice works. This is how justice works. We have to look at what, but today's justice is not that. Yeah, it's perverted, crooked. Yeah. That's what I like, no? Devil corrupted is wisdom and corrupted is beauty and riches and violence. Today it is all about money. It's all about money and power and violence. One day it will stop. One day it will stop. But certain things, we cannot have it before time. It will only happen when the kingdom of God comes. We'll have pockets of justice. But we are not going to have universal justice. It's not going to happen. It is not going to happen. That will happen when Christ comes. When Christ comes, justice will roll. The knowledge of God will fill the earth. It doesn't matter whether you are a believer or an unbeliever in that time. He will rule with a scepter of iron. You can think sin cannot practice it. <laughs> can think sin. Cannot practice it. Nobody will practice it. It will be a sinless dispensation. Are there sinners? Yes. Unredeemed people are there. And after a thousand years, when Satan is released, he still will gather everyone. It will take place. So what does it mean? You can rule under the best, glorious dispensation the problem is within man, not outside. We'll say if the environment was different, I would be different. God says, I will show you, you will not be different. 
can change the entire environment. Rivers will flow in the wilderness. Desert will blow. Every man will have more than enough. There will be no fighting. All the swords will be made into plowshare. The boy and the lamb will walk together. The lion and the boy, the viper and the boy, everything is peaceful. Yet when Satan is released, they will all turn against God. So where was the problem? The problem was not outside. The problem was inside problem was inside. So God says, you are always looking for social. You are all socialists and communists and feminists and all humanists and all. He said, that's all junk. The problem is it's with your heart. There's only one solution. The solution is a new birth. And if you're truly, truly born again and you grow in your new birth, you should start becoming uncomfortable in this world uncomfortable in this world because you realize I don't fit in here. I was meant for another world. I was meant for another world. This is not. This is not. Like for me, when I go to that mountain country, you have to see me. I just I just step out and I fit in. I knew this is where I was born. Very comfortable. Absolutely comfortable. But still, I stick like a sore thumb in Hyderabad. I've been here from donkey's tears. I still don't fit it. Because in my mind, I still have not accepted this as my hometown. I live here. Because I have to live here. Is this home for me? No way, Jose. This is not where I grew up. I don't like the city. I, I don't mind the people. I didn't say I like the people. I said I don't mind the people. <laughs> Okay. I prefer tribal people, I'm telling you. They are very simple. Very, very simple. Very simple people. That's why my Nepali meeting is different from the English meeting. I'm very easy to talk to them. They have no guile in their hearts. No, no guile. They're very simple people. Life is very simple, not complicated. Very, very simple, not complicated. They are, of course, now things have changed, but even then it has not changed like our cities. Very simple people. Life is, it's not complicated. City is very complicated. You have to teach them for seven days, three hours, and still they won't change. Because mind is so stuck in that city life. You go into the rural areas, it's not so difficult. Very simple. Very, very simple. Okay. So we need to realize, we were not born again for this world. We were born again for some other world. And you cannot be comfortable here. And if you're comfortable here, there's something wrong with you. And that's our problem. Our problem is that we are not fighting for the kingdom of heaven to come down onto earth. Mm. We are fighting for this world. We have a misery and our unhappiness is all God to do because our desires for this world is not being fulfilled. It is not a genuine miserable. Other people were fighting, thy kingdom come, thy will, and their cry was, Marnata come, Lord Jesus. I'm telling you, in our church with all these people, how many people do you think are there whose cry is, Lord Jesus come? How many people are there who actually, really, really say, Lord Jesus, would you please come? So are we born again? Yes. Are we happy? No. Why were these people happy in prison? Because their cry was, the Lord is at hand. Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. And if that is not your desire, he is let you be accursed. That's what Paul says in the church to Corinth. Let you be accursed. You have to live that way. 
When you live that way, you have a reason to live here. You have a purpose. You know what I'm fighting for? I'm fighting for the gospel. I'm fighting for the kingdom. I'm fighting for people. My future is secure. I know where I'm going. What I'm trying to see is to see as many as I can get to go with me. But in the world, people don't love like this. It's me, mine, myself. Yeah. God says you'll be miserable. Kingdom people don't love like that. Kingdom people are thinking about how many can I take across. My entire life is this. I was blind. I can see. I was lost. I was found. Now I need to get the others as many as possible to take with me. And that's what Joseph is thinking. And that's what Joseph is prepared. What were you prepared all for? One, to get saved my father's household. Second, to feed a world during famine. That's what God prepared me for. Take care of others. Therefore, he becomes the firstborn, though he is the eleventh, because that was the anointing of the firstborn, so that he would take care of the younger ones. So he is in the line of Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is the firstborn of all creation. Mm. Okay, all And all who are in Christ Jesus, if they truly, truly want to be free, they need to be the firstborn. If you are in Christ Jesus, you, you are, are the, the firstborn. firstborn. Why? Because he is the firstborn. You can be a positionally firstborn like Reuben and throw your strength away. Or you can be a functionally firstborn like, like Joseph. Joseph and redeem the others and you will be free. Mm. That's why the Bible says it's more blessed to give than to receive. It's blessed to serve than to be served. Mm. It's a fundamental kingdom principles. Once you start believing it first, first you have to believe and then start practicing it, you will realize liberty is there. And you have to be upset with the injustice in the world. You have to be upset. Otherwise, you don't hate uh, wickedness. You cannot be happy with it. You have to be more and more upset when you see what is happening around the world. You have to be upset in India, what is happening over there, even like yesterday, today, what's happening in Delhi and all that. You look at it and say, where is country going? One ruling dispensation seems to be such a righteous people. All the opposition people are crooks. So raid all the opposition leaders. Where is this country going? Where is country going? What is the future of this country? You should be upset. But what are we going to do? Go onto the streets and start slogans? No. We have access to something bigger than the Supreme Court. We have access to God. That's where we pour out and say, Lord, what is the answer? Change of dispensation? No. Change of dispensation is going to change anything in the Delhi government changes, nothing is going to change. It will only get worse. Only get worse. What is the answer? Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. That is the answer. But the problem is, do you want his kingdom to come? Anjali, do you want his kingdom, kingdom to come? <laughs> because the problem is, when his kingdom comes, what happens to my, my kingdom? kingdom? Goes. My kingdom goes. <laughs> that is the problem. My kingdom goes. When his kingdom comes. But his kingdom is righteousness. That's why Jesus did, Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's the most important part. Seek his kingdom and his righteousness. All these things shall be added unto you. What is those other things shall be added unto you? You know what it is? Primarily, peace and joy. Mm. 
shall be added to you cannot have peace and joy without righteousness it is not possible peace and joy follows righteousness whether it is righteousness where you are seeking righteousness the righteousness of god peace and joy will automatically follow and that's all you need if you go to a house you get immediately sense this house is happy or not you get sense You can see a house when you go there. There is peace and there is joy. You know why? Because they are rightly related. Mm-hmm. That is what righteousness is. What is righteousness? Mm-hmm. We are rightly related to each. The husband is rightly related to the wife. The wife is rightly related to the husband. Husband and wife is rightly related to God. And the children are rightly related to the parents. And you know what? There is peace and joy because there is righteousness. Mm-hmm. When the relationships are not right with god and man peace and joy goes yep. so god says seek righteousness first these two will be added but where there is no righteousness there's always tension always tension then we become hypocrites when when visitors come everybody pretends they are very happy when visitors go and the old set default set default setting takes over setting comes back comes back. And that is how it happens. That is how it happens. Okay. And the best best uh, uh, goage or yardstick is the children. Watch the children. Happy children is going to happy home. Yes. Mm-hmm. Watch the children. Watch the children. Children who always want to go out. children who always want to visit other places children who are very happy when visitors come you know there's something wrong in their home <laughs> something wrong in their home because the home is very happy they are content if others come they are okay they are happy but they are already content there's a difference between joy or happiness that comes from discontentment mm. and there is happiness that comes for content people so they can live with or without it but others cannot live without it that is the problem it's a problem you know as an individual as a home as a church all these things matter yes pastor vijay pastor we we'll look at question number 3 uh priscilla just told anjali she may fall asleep she's been yawning six times let's <laughs> say um this is again um would you agree that abel is the first shepherd we read of in him we see the type in type both god's ideal and man's treatment of the true shepherd genesis yeah. 4 to 8 yeah would you agree with me please give me some insight on this we do not read of of him keeping the sheep for what he could get out of them in wool meat or milk for himself he tended them so that he could bring them as acceptable sacrifices to god i thought it was a fantastic insight this is yeah but uh, there yeah. we we there it's that second statement is not fully true yeah, yeah. also okay because the thing is that in the garden in the garden where they had uh, where they did not have to worry about provision mm. worry about provision when they left the garden there was going to be an issue now they would have to work and the work would become labor okay and by the sweat of your brow god had changed it so when you come out out of the garden into the world you have the first two professions what is a shepherd and the other is a farmer you have two two different people over there okay we don't know how it was outside the garden we don't know 
we know the garden there were all kinds of trees to eat and food and all outside the garden we do not have any picture but there seems to have there must have been some kind of provision but if they needed continuous supply it seems like they had to work hard so one goes and is a shepherd and the other becomes a farmer but the issue is there was a time of sacrifice and they probably knew it from their father who was a participant or a witness to the sacrifice that had taken place in the garden and the question is when the sacrifice came that is the whole issue when it was time for sacrifice the bible says by faith mm. by faith that is where faith comes <coughs> faith comes how does faith come faith comes from hearing hearing what the word of god so how did abel hear that he heard it from his father only possibility his father told him this is god's instituted way the father should have told both the sons probably both of them heard maybe the father also did we don't know it's very very silent probably the father told the sons but when it came to practice one went by faith one went by faith and there is something over there if you go back to genesis chapter chapter 4 chapter 4 verses 1 and 2 yeah yeah come down for i think it's verse 3 uh, 3 yeah. in the process of time it came to pass cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the lord and abel also brought of the first born of his flock and of their fat and the lord respected abel and his offering okay now if you were to take that whole premise that abel was then you would have to say that cain also worked hard to give it as a sacrifice no that's not what is the whole thing okay the whole thing is that but what they brought mm. because when he brought the bible says by faith the first thing he he brings is he brings the first born of his flock flock he brings a first born now he has a flock and in that flock he goes searches and he knows this is the firstly the firstborn that is what he brings second he brings their fat that means he offers a blood sacrifice and he brings the fat so there is a revelation for him over there okay there is and he went by that mm. he didn't go because genesis chapter 4 3 is religion by works genesis chapter 4 4 is faith mm. and its works and religion is never accepted because Cain is coming by his labor Abel is not coming by his labor it's not coming by his labor yeah. if he had to come by his labor then he would should have brought a sheep which he had raised up from childhood the hard labor had taken from a hafen no, that's not what is bring is bring a small firstborn so he's not bringing his labor there he's coming by faith okay and like as we have taught this before the thing is that when god demanded he demanded the firstborn because by faith i can only give the firstborn i cannot give the secondborn by faith because when you are giving your firstborn you don't know whether you will have a second one mm. there's no guarantee you will have a second one whether it is your own child or whether it is a lamb the sheep gives birth and you say i'm giving this to god but what is a guarantee you will have a second one there's no guarantee so by faith you can only give to god put god first by giving the first born if you give the second born then you have kept the first born for you if you have the second one and give the first born anyway it does not matter because i have the second one so that is the principle of giving first 
And that's what he does. And second, he comes through the blood. There's no other way. Comes through the blood. There's no way. Because blood has been given for man's atonement. So he comes through the blood. He comes through the blood. Okay, so if you look at all that, that is where, that is where, uh, of course, he's the first shepherd and the shepherd is killed. The shepherd is killed. His brother kills. So there is a typology of Christ over there. But that's why if you go to Hebrews chapter 11 and uh, verse, three. verse 3, you will see by, yeah, verse 4, four verse 4, four, four, four yeah. verse 4, come. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. It does not mean Cain's sacrifice was bad because in Sunday school, catechism and all they'll teach, Abel brought rotten fruits and Abel is not true. He brought the best of his hard work. But it was not acceptable. It's not acceptable. Because you cannot come to God. A fallen man cannot come to God by his works because your righteousness Righteousness is like filthy rags. You know why? Because you are shaped in iniquity. And the iniquity is pride. And Cain is coming in his pride. I worked hard in spite of your curse. I broke this ground. I have worked hard. And here I am bringing you the best of my hard work. It is pride. And God will not accept pride. That's why the Bible says he looked at Cain. Looked at Cain. And he looked at his fruit. And he didn't accept. But when he looked into Abel, what he saw was meekness. Meekness. It doesn't come on the basis. It comes by what God has said. Because only the humble can go by what God says. Goes by. He comes as an obvious. So by faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice through which he obtained a witness that he was righteous. What is a righteousness? It's a righteousness that comes by faith and faith alone. And it's not a righteousness that comes by works. It's righteous. And God testifying of his gifts and through it he being dead still speaks. So God says he was killed. But he still speaks. Why? Because Abel opened the way for all the others. I have taught this. If Abel is not there, Enoch cannot walk with God. Because for Enoch to walk with God, first he needs to approach God. But Abel is the one who showed us how to approach approach God. God. If Abel is not there, Noah cannot work for God. Because for Noah to work with God, first he needs to walk with God. But before he can walk with God, he needs to know how to approach God. God. Who taught? Abel taught. So till today, Abel speaks to us. Because he teaches us how to approach God. Enoch teaches us how to walk with God. Noah teaches us how to work for God. And Abraham teaches us how to live for God. These are the first four patriarchs over there. This is how, this is how they speak to us. Each one is teaching us their life is a lesson. Okay, but it is true. Abel is the first one, is a shepherd, and the shepherd dies. The shepherd dies. Okay, shepherd dies, and he is a type of Christ, the shepherd who will die, whose brother will kill him. Okay, and Christ was killed by his brothers, his own people. Yes, Pastor. I think the follow up question to this is fantastic. It's question number two. It says, uh, after Abel comes Enoch. Mm. So Enoch is singled out as one who pleased God in his generation. God gave this testimony of him. He was not looking to please men, but to please God only. Enoch was translated without seeing death. A blessed reward for his faithful walk with God, bringing pleasure to God's heart. Do you think the people looked for him? Just wondering why they did not look for him, the people around. Well, it is not written they looked for him. That does not mean they did not look for him. Why do I say that? 
Elijah. Elijah when he was taken. Yes. When Elijah was taken. Elisha. There is a there is a second uh, kings yes second kings chapter 2 okay second kings chapter 2 yeah. and verse 50 uh verse 50 onwards now when the sons of the prophets who were from jericho saw him they said the spirit of elijah rests on elijah and they came and to meet him and bowed to the ground before him and verse 16 then they said to him look now there are 50 strong men with your servants please let them go and search for your master lest perhaps the spirit of the lord has taken him up and cast him upon some mountain or into some valley and he said you shall not send anyone okay yeah come down next verse but when they urged him till he was ashamed he said okay send them therefore they sent 50 men and they searched for 3 days but did not find him and when they came back to him for he had stayed in jericho he said to them did i not say to you do not go mm-hmm. so when elijah was taken elijah was taken okay if you look at over here we do not know what the sons of prophet actually saw what they saw but they knew he was going to be taken knew he was remember they all had a revelation he was going to be taken but how he was taken i don't think they saw but they knew he was taken okay how he was taken only elisha knew only elisha saw they did not see but he was taken they knew the difference between elisha and them is elisha knows how he was taken and he knows he's not coming back he knows he has not been dropped by the spirit of god on some mountain or valley or anything we know that the spirit of god does it as with philip and with ezekiel and all that this is gone this is gone he's gone okay but so, so in the same way when enoch was taken we do not know we do not we do not know. there are certain so many things which the bible is very very silent about okay like jesus used to tell his disciples i'm going i'm going home and i will come back i'm going to jerusalem this is what will go happen to the fact that they did not understand is a different thing so maybe you know kept saying to his family i'll be going the time to for my departure is getting close but the thing is that enoch himself may not have known how he is going may not have been okay second time around we know first time around we never know It's always his first time. We are never sure what is going to happen. So in Enoch's case, we do not know whether they looked for him. Okay, we do not know whether they looked for him. But whether he prepared his family for it, it's just silent. It simply says God was pleased with him, and that he was no more. He was taken up alive. But it also tells us something that there is only one way man can prepare for rapture. it is by continuously walking with god enoch was seventh from adam adam seventh from adam and second you can continuously walk with god only if the other world is what is real for you mm. what is coming is eternal for you than what is happening which is real for you what is happening or what god has promised is coming why do we know because in june we have one of Enoch's prophecies Lord comes and it is about the Lord's coming mm. Lord's coming and in every encouragement in the new covenant asking people to walk in a particular way or to live in a particular way you will see it is always connected with his coming mm. there's no other way <coughs> consistently you will walk mm. with God yes. you will not walk with God 
or otherwise it's just like the law. It will not work. Every place, including Titus, every place it is connected with the appearance of Jesus Christ. His coming, therefore all those who are longing for his appearance will walk in a particular way. You know what? The Bible is very clear about yeah. these things and we have to focus. That's why we try to take our minds back to heaven. If you are raised up with Christ Jesus, then you know what? It immediately has an effect on your life. Otherwise, it is not going to work. Otherwise, we'll just become a scoffer. Oh, he's been saying it for long. He's not. Or when the master delayed, the servant became violent. Or when the master delayed, the five foolish went to sleep without oil. Because oil has to be continuously filled like Zacharias' uh, vision. It has to continuously flow. Five of them had oil. Though they slumbered, they had oil. They were prepared for the bridegroom's coming. The other five did not have oil because they were not prepared for the bridegroom's coming. So the sleep is not the issue. The sleep, the issue is they were not prepared. Five were prepared and five were not prepared. And that's where it happens. You know, walked with God and therefore he was prepared. How do you know he was prepared? Because he's talking about Jesus' second coming. Forget the first coming. He's talking about his second coming, that how well prepared he was. Like we, I, I gave you this example from Genesis 25. Right? So if I'm right, it's 25. Genesis 25. Yeah, Genesis, sorry, Genesis 26. And verse 3. Uh, once again, once again. Uh, Genesis 20, uh, 26 verse 4. Okay. I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. I will give to your descendants all this land. Your seed, all nations shall be earth and be blessed. Verse 5. Because Abraham obeyed my voice, kept my charge, my, my commandments, my statutes, my and my laws. <coughs> you see this? My voice, my, my charge, charge, my commandments, my statutes, my law. Before Moses was ever born, Abraham knew it all. Why? Because if you walk with God, God's demands are still the same. Yeah. He will tell you personally what he will reveal to a nation 500 years or a thousand years later. That's what walking with God. Yeah. Therefore, if this is true for Abraham, it's true for Enoch. Enoch had heard God's voice, kept his charge, kept his, his commandments, statutes, his statutes and, and his laws. laws. He kept it. Because God will tell you, you want to walk with me? Unless can two walk together, unless they are agreed? No. So what do I need to agree on, Lord? I will tell you. As you walk with me, first listen to my voice. First is his voice. If you obey my voice and keep my commandments, then all these blessings shall pursue you and overtake you. My voice. First listen to my voice. And keep my charge. And my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. Why is the voice so important? Because if we don't have the voice, we won't understand the commandment. Yes, yes, yes. We'll miss the commandment, mm. what it really intends. That's why Jesus, who is the voice of God on earth, comes and says, You have heard, but I, I tell see. you. Yeah. What is he telling you? What the commandment the meant. What was the charge? Mm. What was the intention behind the law? That's yes. where the voice comes. We don't have the voice, we'll go by the letter. And the letter always kills. Kills who? Kills you. Mm. <laughs> it kills you. Mm. And then you taking the letter will kill others. <laughs> That's what happens. Mm. That's why it's such a double-edged sword. It kills you and then kills the other person. But if you hear the voice, it will save you. Amen. And it will save, save the others. others also. 
That's where the voice comes. And that's what the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit, when he comes, he is the voice of God. He teaches us. When the Spirit, he says, I have so many things to tell you, but you can't handle it now. When the Spirit comes, that is why don't read the Word of God aside from the Holy Spirit. It will not work. It will not work aside from the Holy Spirit. He is the teacher. Individually, personally, from the pulpit, we can only give general teaching, but application is different. The five people sitting here, application is completely different. All your life is different. Your thoughts are different. Your situation is different. Everything is different. And to take the same truth and apply it in your life, only the Holy Spirit can do. That's where the voice comes. It is not the same. It is not the same. Even for the two of us, though we are pastors, it is not the same. It will be different for me. The truth will be the same. Application won't be the same. Application won't be the same. Yes, Pastor Vijay? We'll end for today. Yes, it's happy Priscilla. <laughs> came all the way from Chhattisgarh, and you are here. You came this morning, right? Yeah, you came this morning. So here we are, and we shall call it a die. Okay, and that's an Australian die. We shall call it a die. And Pastor Vijay, you'll close in prayer. Father in heaven, we just want to thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you, Father, for the morning. And we just want to thank you, Father, for even this evening's Q&A. We just want to thank you that you are a faithful God. Lord, we just want to thank you for all the questions that have come and the answers that we have heard. Yes, Lord, we want to hear your voice. We want to keep your charge, your statutes, your commandments, and your laws. And we want to prepare ourselves continuously for your coming because your coming is imminent, O Lord. It is appointed for man to die once, and it is the judgment. And Lord, I, we pray, I pray, Lord Jesus, even as we heard this evening, oh Lord, that we will approach you like Abel. We will walk with you like Enoch, and we will work and prepare ourselves for judgment like Noah, Lord. To that end, I pray that you would bless us, oh Lord, even through these answers, oh Lord Jesus, that you would, Father, make all these answers relevant to every situation that we might be going through. And Lord, that you would continuously prepare us for your coming, oh Lord. Thank you, Father, once again, oh Lord, that you love us. And therefore you speak to us and therefore you admonish us and therefore you correct us and you chastise us. Because, O Lord, you want us to be partakers of your holiness, O Lord. And I pray, Father, that, Lord, we will all receive these teachings into our hearts, O Lord, and walk with you. Thank you once again for this day. And if even as we, Lord, end this day and, Lord, we rest tonight, I pray, Father, that you would grant us a good night's rest, O Lord. And we pray, Father, for all those who are not well in the body of Christ. Once again, O Lord, we rebuke the spirit of infirmity in the name of Jesus. We speak your healing into the body of Christ, O Lord. And I pray, Father, that, Lord, if you tarry to come and if you give us yet another day in the land of the living, I pray, Lord, we will all be found in the house of the Lord. On time, ready, prepared to worship you and to receive from you. We just want to thank you. We praise you. We give you glory. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.